0: They no one knew I was gone. No one knew you were gone. Unless, <laughs> yeah, unless you follow uh, me on Twitter and you saw the replies from one of the listeners I was talking to, but uh, Cody was out for like two weeks. Fortunately, we just had recorded episodes that so we could like ahead of time so we could keep on schedule. Um, but you were out getting a nose job. Yeah,
1: that's what it was. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
0: that's what we're going to videos out at. at
1: this point. Then you get to see my, my beautiful, uh, New nose that externally looks no different at all. I haven't told them that too. I was like, hey, I, I actually like my nose. So if you could do nothing, that'd be cool. Like I I don't care a ton. I just I've never had an issue with it like appearance wise. I was gonna ask if you got to like pick the nose model that you wanted. Because <laughs> I was like I was gonna be like, that's the one you went with? <laughs> no. So it was all internal. Um Yeah, so for the listener, I I've broken my nose at least a couple of times before my life um one time i can confidently say i was being punched in the face uh by the first time i was a younger kid i was jumping off of swings i remember that's when i broke it and that was the the first major one but basically it's compounded over time once uh once covid happened and everybody was i don't think that there's a correlation i think it was just me being at home more often and not being able to go anywhere i noticed i was having more sleeping problems or basically, um, my right nostril was closed. Right? There's very little room to have anything be happening there. So I was forced to sleep on one side. I'm always on my right side. I couldn't sleep on my left. And uh, yeah, this was, you know, I talked to doctors and they said, this is, it's the most invasive, but also the best long-term solution. And if I want to do it, doing it while I'm young is a, is a good solution. So we did it. Um, I told the guy, um, Dr. Owen is his name. And I said, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Just do your thing, do your, you know, whatever it is, and it'll be great. So I don't, Jenny knows the full details more than me. Um, and he explained it to me, and I just chose not to remember because I don't care. I just remember I had stents. It's like sticks kind of up my nose up until uh, this Tuesday. And then he took them out, and it was just, uh, I'm not a crier, but I, I almost could have because it was amazing. I didn't know that people could breathe like that. Like, it was just that easy to breathe in life, and there oh, like people a, walking around. Like a happy crier?
0: yeah 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 Yeah. jenny told me that the doctor said that your nose was so jacked up that he was (laughs) giddy about explaining everything that went into it yeah yeah yeah
1: so can you um, smell colors now (laughs) (laughs) um honestly if i'm being honest right now it's still uh it's still pretty brutal because the sense had cuts um so i've got like scabs, except they can't be scabs because it's inside your nose. So they're like kind of scabs, kind of open wounds that are still healing. So um, I'm taking lots of uh, piggybacking ibuprofen and uh, Tylenol. And right now it's still not great, but even now already, it's better than uh, before the surgery. So very cool. Yeah. I didn't even know you couldn't breathe, but I'm glad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm (laughs) <laughs> um, you you can't even you can't breathe out of a nostril and i and i'm the nasally one on the podcast what the hell
1: <laughs> yeah um i know even been, we've been talking internally about the video stuff but I, I i remember parts of when we were recording and me doing the i can't there's there's a name for it basically you push on your face to be able to breathe better there's a it's it's a test that they actually do to confirm this um but i can remember myself doing it and now thinking back like oh yeah, well there's there's me not being able to breathe and dude, I haven't getting... seen you do
0: that one time. I'm going to have to go back and watch the videos okay. and like look at that again <laughs> cuz like I don't remember that at all. Maybe I was just really sly about it and it wasn't noticeable. Maybe I mean I just thought it was probably one of your weird mannerisms. <laughs> well, I let's talk about something else that's weird. <laughs> and I wanted to do this episode for a couple of reasons. One, partially because of the amount of uh, things that I see in groups about people asking about how to get clients or, you know, locate appointment setters or high ticket closers or, or whatever. Um, and then also partially because I'm super annoyed with how many DMS I get from like these like solicitors or like appointment setters or, or whatever. And I, we've had a couple episodes on how to acquire clients for your agency. So like I, I, the two that I always reference are episode six and episode 26 and six is basically like, um, I think it's, where to find clients and like 26 is how to get agency clients. And I think um, they're almost like the same topic, except one goes in like a lot deeper on kind of how we do it. But that was really those, both those episodes are really focused on how we do it personally when that, and and what we didn't cover is that the primary thing we think you should do is match your medium to your, uh, or match the medium at which you acquire clients and for the service that you'd actually deliver before we get into that the first point i wanted to bring up is that it, it depends on the type of agency that you are so cody and i we run seo slash google ads agency web development agency and the majority of our clients come to us through seo and google ads uh or not at google ads just seo
1: so just organic seo and referrals is, is essentially it um yeah we've talked about before how like we've run <laughs> very small test campaigns but um really I mean, Yeah, just
0: my memories on facebook did, did it come up on yours no just on my memories in facebook literally today it was one year ago and it said um it was a post from you that you tagged me in and it was from our youtube video ad that we ran and oh, yeah. the budget on it was one dollar a day <laughs> and you had a quote on there that said um Hey, we're a year it was like four years later, and we're finally running our first paid advertising campaign, and you're like, <laughs> Jake, and then in quotes it said, What's our budget? And then you put in quotes me, uh three decent priced burgers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, thirty bucks, thirty bucks a month. Yeah. Ten dollars, ten dollars a decent burger, right? Yeah, I guess it nothing. depends where you are.
0: Nothing came of it. Cody and I were like partially wanted to see if something would come of it. But two, it kind of just turned into a game of who engages with who the most. Because it was like it, we did a split test. It was Cody recorded a video of him uh, promoting his thing. And then I did a video of me promoting my thing. And we had a little bit of mixed results. If I'm going to give somebody a crown, it's going to be you. Because I think you what did you have? You had the most engagement rate or the most clicks. And then I, I had not remember. I think I had a longer View rate?
1: Yeah, well, no, the, the split was something... Yeah, it was the difference between engagement um, in terms of the video itself versus actual click-throughs. One of us had better, higher view rates, so people stuck around longer. Uh, and then the other was better at actually getting people through to the website. And I think it was mm-hmm. you who was better... I don't remember. I have to double-check. I think I it think... was you who was better at getting people to the site. And you think so? Because I, th- I think so.
0: Because th- we made an assessment that like it was probably part of my background. Because it's my background versus like your white wall background. <laughs> like, I was yeah, thinking I mean, like this people is already
1: more exciting than what <laughs> was
0: happening there. I was thinking people were only sticking around for my video because they were trying to see what was on my wall behind me. Well, you got a lot of cool stuff. No, now I do. I don't remember what I had back then, but I think it was um, still cool. Well, anyway. anyway, um, well, I, I, I guess like the first, the first part in this is, is if you're the first thing I wanted to cover is if you're a new agency. I think the worst thing that you can do to acquire clients is paying for like appointment setters or high ticket closers. And I just want to like
1: throw it. this out there. <laughs> I hate that word. I keep going. I'll, which I'll word? shut up. Both of them or just one the, of them? The high ticket closers. That, that is a, as a phrase. Appointment setters. I mean, I, that's more normal. This high ticket closer it feels like such a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Like I just feel like somebody's in their basement and I'm like, yeah, I'm a high ticket closer. Like, you're... This is not real business. This is not what grown ups do. What's funny okay. is like so like they call 'em they call themselves high ticket closers
0: basically because they get a commission of like a a two to ten thousand dollar a month marketing job. But the I, we have a friend here in Minnesota that does sales for Microsoft. Like they sell Microsoft business packages to businesses. They make like four hundred thousand a year. Like that's a high ticket closer. The, like that's somebody who's working for a big company
1: selling b2b software mm. uh, and his his real i'm guessing that his real title is something more like business development executive well her
0: like her real title oh
1: actually I'm, wow i'm awful <laughs> wow that's part of the ever bros in, in the See? name remember <laughs> we talked about this mate am i the baddie i'm the baddie here yeah, I, I actually don't know
0: what her real title is, but I'm—I would imagine it's probably like business development manager or something. Yeah, get it, girl. Good job, B- business development sales manager, BD, BDSM. B. I think that's a joke, and I'm too. That boring. is a joke. Yeah, okay. it, is, it is a sexual joke, actually. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is, but no. Um, so basically, like, what I—I've been talking to a couple of guys who are in my inboxes, just kind of asking questions and. And one of them hired – or they, they messaged me and they said, like, I had, what, eight appointments today and they all no-showed. And I was like, this is this sounds like appointment setting. This sounds like people set appointments and you paid them and they got you appointments, but they were just terrible and none of them showed up. And he was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it was like 300 bucks up front or something like that. And – It just it made me feel weird because I couldn't imagine doing that for my business of like having somebody else, quote, set appointments for me because I don't know how they qualified them or like how invested that that person was in coming to this appointment with me or with Evergrow. But also setting that's an outbound sales strategy. And that just means you have to sell harder. And I I don't it's just not something that I really subscribe to and and i've always said this but like um, if you if your agency that you're starting is selling facebook ads ideally you would be acquiring clients the same way and the reasoning that i have behind that is if your service works as good as you say it does then why don't you do it for yourself the common objection that i get from that is usually well i don't have money to run facebook ads and bootstrap them just starting right now that's okay. That's a really good, like, that's a really good argument. That's a really good point. Um, But after you get your first client, you do not, you now do have money. (laughs) So that should be reinvested. But what you, what you typically find out is like, if you use a high ticket closer or an appointment setter, you typically end up spending more money with those people than you would if you just did your own
1: services for yourself. Yeah, you moved on, but my brain still, it's still on the, the joke that is high ticket closers. And I'm I'm very sorry if if this deeply offends somebody, but I, I don't know how to explain. This is yet another one of those things where real life, real business, everything that I've known as far as legitimate agencies doing legitimate work, this isn't even real. It's not even close to what's actually working and what people are truly doing. Uh, it's just bizarre. It's one of those it's it's. Photoshop. It's, you know, selfies on the internet. It's just not real life. And I I think the bigger issue too is if you call yourself a business person and you really want to do this from zero and you want to learn, you, you want to learn the things you need to learn to operate the business at a minimum sales is, is included. And I say that in, I rely heavily entirely now on Jake, um, as far as our client acquisition, It doesn't mean I can't do it. It means I really don't want to, and I'm, I I really don't like doing it. And comparatively, I am worse, right? But in a worst case scenario, if I had to do what I can, and I'm not awful at it, I can actually be okay, but it is extremely draining. But I did learn it at one point in time, um, how to just on a very basic level, get a client, acquire a, a new customer. And I think that's a, a major shortcut if you were just planning on Oh, okay, yeah. Acquisition. Um, I'm going to outsource that, and we'll get these. I'll I'll pay this. This. I, I can't even say it with a straight face. High. I'll pay this high to get closer, and then they'll bring in. You know these these new clients that I've never talked to before. You know, like uh, it's so it's so weird to go from zero to get to that, and then think that yeah, this will go smoothly. There won't be any hiccups here. Yeah, especially your first client when you don't even have your own processes defined,
0: and like you don't even really know the services that you're offering, unless you're outsourcing that too. And we've had episodes on that where it's just where it's just literally arbitrage, and you're not actually offering anything except being a middleman. And in which case, you're still like a salesperson. You're just kind of like vaing out here your, your appointment setting. But I, I, I wish people could like. I mean, high ticket closing to me and appointment setting is a lot like the MLM industry. Like, like. MLM, direct marketing. Um, what, what else do they call like direct sales? Uh, whatever, it's not a real business. It's it's essentially a pyramid scheme with a product, and that's how they skirt the FTC guidelines. But if you actually look at the uh, like the um, the actual like FTC claims that have been made against all these MLM companies, like there's tons and tons of them, and they keep having to change things because they're not real businesses. When you sell a product or grow a team for an mlm you're you don't own a real business you don't own the means of district the distribution you don't own the product um and you don't own um any of the channels um you don't own your own inventory well i guess you do because you got to buy it from the supplier but you don't own the wholesale inventory and then how to get closing an appointment setting is almost the same thing in my mind because it's not a real thing it's just something that's sold to you by these marketing gurus and what's funny is like I've noticed, this is like turning into a different episode, but I've noticed that- <laughs> I think it's important. Yeah, I've noticed that like, when you take a marketing course, let's say you take like, um, I, I call him out all the time, but Billy Jean, let's say you take Billy Jean's marketing course. And I don't know if this is how his is structured, but this is how a lot of gurus are structured out there. But you take the marketing course, you learn the marketing, you learn the sales part about getting clients. At the very end, there's like a high ticket closers course, an like upsell, and you can take that, and then you end up being a high ticket closer for Billy Jean or for whatever Guru. So basically, like they're paying. We're just saying for, in general, right? They're, yeah, yeah, they're, okay. they're not not specifically Billy Jean. So, um, but like in general, okay, I'll replace Billy Jean with Guru. Um, so you're in in general, like you get to the end of this course, and then you end up just becoming a high ticket closer for the course that you were buying in order to feed their funnel. And then, so in I guess the better word for high ticket closer is affiliate. Because that's what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mean, and I think all of this is, is from our perspective of the agency side. I think if, if I had to step back and then just think about that by itself, high ticket closer, to me, that I, I put that kind of in the same category as domain broker, right? There are some people who do it very successfully. There are not very many that do it. I mean, I'm sure that the, the few are very successful, that are capable of doing it because it is such a niche, difficult thing. And there probably is a legitimate job with that. If you want to get good at it and do it in a very good way and deliver good things to your clients. But if you're, if you're just an agency and you're starting out small and even early on, I'm not, you know, we've talked before about going from zero to one, getting your first client, that sort of thing. I'm just saying early, right? You're, you're determining your first reliable consistent new business acquisition channel and going straight to that I think is a mistake because you're missing out on some other things in your business that you need to iron out first for just relying on on somebody entirely externally because there's other things that should be happening in in your business now like Jake said matching ideally matching your your business's acquisition to the service that you're offering because then it just reinforces your knowledge and everything surrounding that that's ideal. Um, But I also think I I made a note here. Actually, Jake made this note here. So I'm just going to re-say what I said, but it's bizarre to label yourself a marketing agency and not use marketing to get your own clients. That's weird. That's weird stuff. I I think it's weird. I think it's weird when you're an SEO agency, when you, when you say
0: you're an SEO agency and you're not even getting your own organic leads. So what are you doing with other, with, with your clients? And I get it. Like it takes time. Like SEO does take time. And and in fact, when we built Evergrow, I I wasn't even intending to rank rank for a lawn care marketing company or, you know, lawn care marketing agency, which if you look now, like we rank number one for that, like very consistently. And but because a lot of the keyword research that I did with that, it, it didn't show a lot of results. Because we, when we first starting, we weren't spending any money with like Google Ads. So Google Keyword Plan, wasn't really showing us. And that wasn't the intention. But that was the intention behind the brand. So I just figured out how to make the brand hyper-relevant. And I optimized for that uh, just because. Also, I was just trying to satisfy the green Yoast bubbles. So. <laughs> Turns out uh, after you do this for a certain amount of years um, or even months, you start to get search console data and it shows you that there's actually a significant opportunity for this niche plus marketing. And that's very likely in any other niche out there. So I, I, I found that you can rank for a general marketing company. I, and I knew I was going to have a struggle doing this, just ranking for marketing company or marketing agency. Which is part of the reason why I decided to niche down because there's no way I'm competing with like the megalithic marketing companies out there, mm-hmm. and just a small company of two people at the time was able to outrank pretty much everything for this term, and we were able to capture all of that organic traffic, and this is where you know seventy percent of our leads come from now, and it, it, we don't we do nothing, and there's no like there's no such thing as a sales call at Evergrow, because everything is inbound. So all of my all of the calls that I have are basically informational. People have already decided to contact me after me not having to reach out to them. And then all I have to do is ask, answer their questions and that's it. And then if they want to work with me, great. If they don't, that's fine too because somebody else will just come to us for free. We don't have to spend anything. Hmm. <clears throat> having said that, um, not all agencies are SEO agencies. So your expertise might not lie in that area that ours is. And you might go the route of paid media. In fact, if you listen to, I think it was two episodes ago, episode 78. I asked you, Cody, if you, knowing what you know now, if, if you would go into SEO or PPC first, what would it be? And you said that I would go into paid ads first. So if you followed that advice, whether it was from that episode or whether it was from you know a while ago and you decided to go into paid ads, whether that be social media or Google Ads or whatever, um, clearly at, when you first start, unless you have an influx of cash and you actually invest in your in your business, you don't have any initial cash flow or income to justify or warrant spending money on that paid medium to acquire clients, which is understandable. And so I think there is definitely uh, a what's the dude, I can't think of words today. <laughs> There's there is a, what do you call it when, um, there's an exception, there's an exception. That's the word. Ah, okay. That's the word. I didn't there, know. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was checking, <laughs> I was trying to, what's that word? It's like when somebody goes, um, oh, it's like, uh, what's that movie? And you're like, oh yeah,
1: that one. <laughs> well, sometimes I can't guess. I'm like, yeah, I follow. I see yeah, where you're yeah, going right. with that,
0: but I wasn't there. So there is an exception to the, to your first like one or two clients in which maybe like outbound is the method to, to do. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Cody, if you had to start over and you were in a paid ad, um, service, that's what you were offering. How would you acquire your first
1: client if you had no money to invest? Oh, I'm, so I'm, I'm offering ads, but I have to acquire customers without running ads. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about anyway, which is, well, you should probably do SEO cause it's free. um yeah i i think this is just yet another shortcut that um that some people want to take where they the high ticket closer is great because you don't have to pay them unless they deliver right isn't that their thing yeah Um, yeah Uh,
0: it's pretty much it's commission based and and yeah okay
1: yeah so if you're early on any service yeah we could say ads but it really doesn't matter whatever one you're offering you're having trouble getting clients which consequently means that you are not busy, right? If you don't have work, then you have plenty of time to do other things. And to me, that means you should be doing two things. Uh, This is very fundamental SEO. Are you cranking out content? Are you getting links, right? Now I mean buying links because those two are tied together. If it's early on and you're trying to get good, relevant links, not even links, it's publications. You should be writing for your audience wherever they are. And that's where your time should be spent and because it's free it doesn't cost anything i mean you can do it into all sorts of different places it doesn't, it doesn't have to be publications you can find a forum you can go to reddit i mean i, I don't know where your people are what you, are you what are you writing about though like what when you're first starting like what
0: i mean you you're not really you haven't really executed your services yet cuz you haven't acquired a client mm. but what how what, how do you determine what thing you're going to write about in for your audience you know whether it's on your site or it's it's for a publication.
1: Well, you don't you don't have to be the expert. You can always facilitate the expertise, and that's something that's you know, we do it when we interview people. We ask them things that we don't know. We're not the pros, right? Um, we've done that quite a few times. So that's one option is to do interviews or facilitate other people's expertise and knowledge. Um, but I think those are kind of two different spots because if you if you have a client already. You have the material that you need to start creating and writing content. And what I would do is write about your test, because if you're trying to get more from that same audience group, then take what you're testing for that, you know, for that industry, that niche, and then publish it because people want to know that. Are you implying that people are testing things before they're getting clients? No, I'm saying with your first client. Oh, right. Okay, so like you
0: acquire your first client and then you write about the, the stuff that you're testing with them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I would take. I have like a little different. Appro- I have a little
1: different approach. Well, yeah, because let me ask you back. Oh, Okay, ask I, me Jay, a question. You run. You're running ads. That's your service that you're offering. But you have no money. How are you going to get clients? That's a great question, Cody. Thank you for asking. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I, I'm gonna get clients the same way that I got clients in when I first started. So even before you came on board, when I was as working to get clients, because technically. I offered everything. I did paid ads, SEO, social media, man, I didn't know what I was offering. I just, I was going to figure it out. And I just engaged on forums and just answered questions because at the end of the day, like if you have a basic level of understanding of paid ads, then we've said this before, but every single paid ad medium, whether it's social like Facebook or LinkedIn or Google, they all have their own proprietary courses that are free to take. They want you to spend money on the platform. So they're going to educate you on how, and, you can take those courses. And as soon as you take those courses, you're already in the top 1% expert in your niche in terms of like, (laughs) in in terms of- The bar is so low. Yeah. So the bar is low from from an agency and freelancer perspective, but the bar is also low. Like if you're in these forums and groups, and if you're in these areas where these people congregate in your niche- uh whether that's like roofers or construction or or plumbers or whatever and you're the person that knows the platform because you took those certifications and those courses from those paid media platforms you are the expert whether you have experience in it or not so you at least have some base level foundation understanding that they don't have you don't have to know everything you don't have to act like you know everything that i think that's a that's a key point too uh don't act like you know everything but at least provide value when people do ask questions and something that got me a a huge load of traction was anytime in one of like the facebook groups where somebody talked about boosting posts or like they showed us a screenshot of them of their analytics of them boosting a post on their like lawn care page i would go in and be like hey like these metrics, I would recommend using the Facebook ads manager because you have way more targeting options and, you know, ability to, you know, optimize your bids so you can get even better results. And I'd kind of go into like how to set it up and, uh, you know, in the post too. And it wasn't a solicitation. It was like I, I didn't even ask, tell them like, hey, let me know if you have any questions. I just said like, this is how you do it. <laughs> and like generally, like people slid in my DMs without even asking. And I, I even posted an article on Jake about why people hate marketers, and this is like this is like the reason is because there are two types of people who provide advice or comment on in forums. There is one person who says, um, "You need an expert to do this. Let me know if you need me." And then there is the other person who actually provides you like the instructions of what to do, coming from the expert's perspective. And only one of those people is going to get the the traction, and it's the the actual expert giving you the instructions on what to do the person who was like you need an expert i'm that guy contact me i can help you that person is not getting any
1: traction like it's, mm- it's, it's always like the rookie low self-esteem mistake right to think that oh if i if i give the information away if i tell them what i'm doing if i give you know they learn the secrets then they're gonna go do it themselves and they don't want me and it's just not true that's not the reality mm-hmm. sure there's some people but those people are going to do it with or without you. You're not the one who's enabling them just because you shared the information. If it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. But the people that you want as clients are the ones who see that and then say, okay, yeah, no, this is hard. I don't want to do this. I, I, I got more stuff to do. I got better things to do with my time than spend it here.
0: Yeah, it's, And setting something up is one thing, but then managing it on a month-to-month basis is a whole nother thing. And I, I mean, we saw this, one of our clients left us because... He decided that he could run his own ads because he, we, he, we did one location. He had another location for his landscaping business and he in, you know, enjoyed running ads. So I always tell clients this when we onboard with them. I'm like, if you want to, like, you, don't get, you, don't, you don't get to own your ad account because we build that. But if you wanted to build your own ad account and then just copied everything that we did over, that's totally fine. And I believe he did that. And then he did it for his other account uh, or other location, which is totally cool. And then he left us on good terms because he wanted to run on his own. Um, But at a certain point, you want to focus on your business rather than, you know, these kind of ancillary um, things about the business. And he's either going to have, he's going to be faced with a choice and it's going to be have someone in-house do it and train them to do it or hire it back out. And the thing, the thing he'll have to consider is what's more cost effective and is the person he hires in-house, is that all they're doing or are they doing a bunch of other stuff too? And then you have to trust that person is is doing a good job on on all of those things. So, um, but with that, I mean, yes, he did leave, but he's in the forums every day promoting us. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. so like, is it really such a bad thing that he left because we taught him how to do his own thing? Like, I I find that as a huge win. So, it's great.
1: It's great. So, yeah, But, you know, how good it feels when somebody takes what they learned from you, and goes and does it themselves. And then tells everybody else that, hey, they did this for me. I'm doing it myself now. It works. Go to them. <laughs> Get their services because it did work for me. And I, yeah, I mean, honestly, and if other people, because that, that's not most people. Most people can't do that. It takes a, a special brain to be able to review that information and then take it on yourself. So if there's more of that, again, okay, great. That's fine. I don't see a problem with it. Mm-hmm. dude i'm so
0: glad that we reached out to our lawyer to have uh, her do all this because i was reading through the operating agreement and go this is too much you just do <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> i was just like
1: can you just like explain this to me like i'm five uh um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that Hey, I, okay this is no um i want your thoughts let's talk about referrals so referrals what's 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 your take is it so you have your first few clients Is are referrals a a Reliable, consistent way to get the additional clients after you have a first few? Uh, is it a strategy that you would call it something that you can have be your primary growth acquisition thing? And cause it's not really something that you can match and deliver up with your offering, right? I don't know how you would offer. Maybe there is a way that you offer the service of growing re- business through referrals. I don't know. Maybe that's a thing. What do you think of it?
0: Um, I'll back up for a second and then I'll answer the referral thing because it it kind of lines up so back on the topic of getting like your very first client um, i I recommend just engaging with the community, getting involved, and then you know hopefully someone reaches out to you. You can also try the prospect of like cold emailing or cold I guess it'd be more like warm emailing which is what I call it and then like warm calling based on things that you see and maybe we need to have another episode on like how to like cold call or cold or or warm email like the way that I would do it and Chris Walker talked about this I, I can't remember which episode I think it's like 42 or something um where he would go into the Google search engine because he was he was SEO so like he would go into Google search and he would look for companies in his niche that didn't have proper like meta titles or meta descriptions. And he would just send that company an email and just said, Hey, you know, if you do this, you can, you know, see much better results. And then he would just provide that free advice. And you can do that on your client sites, or maybe you go out at their Facebook pages or whatever you do. And like, and that's still like outreach and cold and like cold calling, but it's, it's a way that's like more personalized and also being able to show your expertise without soliciting. After you acquire your first client, the, uh, the the referral question comes into play. So, um, Marcus, this is kind of how Marcus acquired his first client. So, my mentee that I mentioned a few times, uh, one of his first clients was said, "If you uh, you know do a good job with me, I'll refer you to my network." Okay, so anytime I hear that, and I told him this too. Anytime you hear that, they don't have a network. It's bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true because I don't say that. Right. I mean, I don't, I'm not out here. That's just kind of a, maybe, maybe there's like a minor case, but I don't know. Yeah. I would say say that. I I would say it's an outlier. No, absolutely not. Like, well,
0: one, I just do it. Right. Yeah. I mean like our, um, our accountant, Jeff, for instance, like I, I've never, I, I, it's never crossed my brain to be like, Jeff, if you do us a good job, I'm going to send you to all my business buddies. Like, it's never once crossed my brain. And maybe it's different for marketing, but I would never hire a marketing company because we are one. So I I think it's kind of like a sales tactic for for people who are hiring agencies or freelancers to get that agency or freelancer to do cheap work because, under the hope that you know, oh, if I do well for this, my business will take off because I'll get like four or five, six
1: clients like, from referrals. This is almost like artists with exposure or like bands. They're like, hey, no, you can, <laughs> you can play here. But yeah, it's just we're exposure. not going to pay you. It's just
0: exposure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I think it's like more like photographers, really. Mm-hmm. Like the only the only person that should decide whether or not something is good for your portfolio is you. You shouldn't if, if somebody else is saying, oh, this will be a good portfolio builder for you, dude, walk away like they're, they're already going to be a difficult client because they're already they're already um trying to take advantage of your cheap labor. But having said this, so just going back. If someone says they have a bunch of people they can refer you to, I would I would ignore that statement. You don't necessarily have to write them off as a potential client, but just ignore that they ever said that because that that's never going to come to fruition. Um, So relying on referrals outside of that. So let's say like you have one or two clients, um, the chances of you getting referred, I think, is actually pretty low. It's like if I had to put a number on it, I would say like ten percent chance that you are going to get referred because you have to think about the conditions that are right. So one is you're you're getting a client and then that client then if you're in a niche that client then has to be communicating with other people in that niche and they're not going to be doing it with their competitors so they're not going to be doing it with anybody in the re- relative service area um and it have to be from another another state which means they got to be in some kind of network or a group or or whatever and if they are you should be in that group first of all um And then if they uh, but if you're not, for whatever reason, somebody then somebody then in that group has to inquire about a marketing agency to use. And then your client has to be the one that gets in front of that person before the other people recommend their marketing agencies. So like there's like a series of like levels to getting referred to, especially like the B2B industry. This isn't a lawn care business where like, you mow someone else's lawn and like their neighbors are like, who mows your lawn? Like, and then you get like six neighbors. Like that's not how this works. And you just have to think about like all the things that have to happen in row to actually like in sequence to actually get referred. And fortunately, some of our clients are in actual like networks that we're not in where like some of these marketing questions get brought up a lot. And um, the ones that I am in, like um, Jose, he, he like, Um, refers us a lot he like someone says what's an agency you guys use and he'll say evergo marketing but out of like maybe the 10 time he 10 times he posts that maybe one person calls us because at the end of the day like everyone else everyone's referring their person and then you know maybe they don't even reach out to anybody maybe like that person who asked that question didn't just ask that group they asked a bunch of other groups too so i would say that like 20% 20% of the leads that we get are referrals and the other 80% are actually organic um, and that, that that come from our
1: method of acquiring clients. You've mentioned something too, though, that um, kind of like you were saying about how there's multiple steps mm-hmm. that these will cross over in mediums too, right? Where it's, it's a referral, but they actually contact us through Facebook, like they message you on Facebook or something. It's not a, a website form lead or a direct phone call.
0: Yeah. I was, I still count that as a referral.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah. but there is like a this blend right so is there maybe something advantageous to doing i don't know um facebook remarketing combined with you know while you're also doing those other things just because if people oh, are talking yeah, about like, you and
0: mm. yeah like if, if someone says ever go marketing and all of a sudden like you're seeing like you know our remarketing like our ad sure mm-hmm. and and that could be then then you can start getting to the question of like attribution, like what what is it actually? Is it the referral or is it like my actual remarketing or, you know, Facebook ad. But um if that's the case, like you're a Facebook ads expert, so like that's part of your it's part of what you sell. So mm-hmm. I don't think I think referrals are great, but they're not something they're like you asked in your beginning of your question, are they consistent and reliable? And no, they're not. Um, either of those. So I think doing good work and promoting a referral program maybe with your clients is a good idea, but I don't think it's something you should rely on. I think if you're a marketing agency, you should definitely be relying on the mediums that you're good at promoting. And I mean, all this always comes back to, are you delivering the services or is somebody else? And when by that, I mean like, are you hiring the, are you contracting the services out or are you delivering them yourselves? Because if you, if you're doing the arbitrage thing, which is stupid, but let's just say you're doing that and and you're, and you're just contracting all of your services out and you're not actually in the trenches and you're not actually doing the work and you don't actually have the experience in it. Do you trust the people that you're contracting enough to promote your services to get your clients? And if the answer is no, maybe you shouldn't be contracting those people because they're probably providing a really weak services to your clients in which they're not going to be staying on for very long and you're going to have a super high churn rate. Then... All you're doing is making yourself a job because your job is now constant client acquisition with no growth and no scalability. You're just constantly sitting at that 5K a month mark and you can't get past it and you don't know why.
1: Yeah, I think... uh, I got spicy there. You did get spicy. I felt the heat. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that some people are just afraid or uncomfortable with sales because they see it as that sort of concept and they need to stop thinking about it that way. Don't think about it as sales. Uh if you have a good thing, or that's maybe the other problem is you you don't have a good thing yet. <laughs> and you need to get a good thing. You got to figure out what a good thing is that will sell well because if it sells well, you don't have to sell it. I'm not saying that it's going to magically just, you know, people are going to start showing up knocking on your door saying, "Hey, do this," but um you you define a good service and you find that it's successful and that's the next step after getting your first client. I'm not saying you know, that's that's a different thing. But once you're past that, then these different ways that you're acquiring in whatever way that you are able to determine is consistent and reliable for you. It shouldn't be incredibly difficult if your service itself is good and you've defined the market and you know that there's a good match and that people are receptive and are happy to pay for it.
0: I think it's... um I think it's weird to think that when people say hired Evergreen Marketing, they do good work when we primarily provide like one bundled service because it's not us. It's the product that we built. And like the the, the productized service that we built is what does well. And like we just built that. And so when you're like when you sell something, when you when you express this notion of when you sell something that does really well. I think it's it's important to like separate what your clients are referring versus like what you're actually selling. So our clients are referring us. What they're actually referring is the product that we built. Because if we we're we're not providing customized consulting services, and in that case, it would make sense when a client refers us, they're like, "Yeah, Evergrow Marketing does great like customized marketing solutions." We don't. We we built a service and then we sell that. And that's what you're referring because you liked that. Um, this is a weird concept in my brain. I don't think it really matters or has any weight. But I do want to say that you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but every marketing company, whether you're doing Facebook ads or Google ads or, or SEO, should have a basic level of understanding with SEO. So if mm-hmm. you're doing Facebook ads and you should have a website, first of all, because your Facebook ads should either be lead ads or driving to a website for whatever purpose but you should have a base if you have a basic level of uh, basic level understanding of seo you you should do well maybe you won't have like the most amount of organic leads but you will get organic traffic um the other thing i wanted to to mention was that consider the amount of time clients stay with you from the networks you acquire them from so if you're acquiring clients from facebook and you're acquiring clients from like organic search consider where those people are coming from and how long and what type of clients they are. Because when we started, we found out that the clients that we were acquiring from like Facebook groups and Facebook referrals were actually really um, cheap and low quality clients. They didn't stick around for a long time and they were kind of, they were very budget conscious. Whereas the clients who came from organic, uh, they had, they typically had higher budgets and they did their research and they
1: have stuck around the longest. So, um, yeah, that's funny to think back about the the misconceptions of like what we thought and then what actually ended up happening and turning true or some of it being right and some of it being wrong. I think that was that was one that we kind of agreed and thought that social wouldn't be as good as like organic um just because there's a little bit more persuasion or people are more flaky or not as thought thought out thought through. But it then the one that we were surprised by or especially me was that a lot of the younger clients that we have uh, are great. <laughs> mm-hmm. We thought they'd be more budget, or, yeah, budget conscious and, and tighter with the money. But the fact is that they understand digital well, or they understand that they don't understand it. And then they trust us instead of fighting us on certain decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we figured it was going to be like the older guys in our fifties that were like, you know, that had, you know, the established business that were like, I don't understand this, just handle it. And then not like really, question a whole lot which we don't have a problem with them questioning things but it's like when you provide an an explanation and they don't accept it that's like okay well i don't know how to explain this to you any further but then like the younger clients which we we turned 30 and then like the majority of our clients were like younger than us and it was weird like they're like 26 27 and are like yeah i mean our lawn care business is three i i'm like dude i got into the wrong industry (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely weird now I was talking with Skylar and I was like, he goes, I don't understand some of these like HVAC and plumber people. Like they're making like a million bucks in two years. And I was like, dude, we got in the wrong industry. Like like, I always blows my mind. People are like, you can make so much money in marketing. Like you can over a long period of time, but who's saying that who's out here. I don't know, dude. I say their names in this podcast all the time. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, (laughs) last episode. Yeah. Well, that goes
1: back to what I've said about, People who go into marketing go into marketing because they decided to try harder later in life, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody nobody who went and got a very amazing and great STEM degree is saying, hey, you know where you can make a lot of money? Marketing, right? (laughs) Like, hey, I'm an engineer, but you know where you make money? Marketing. That's great. I I really want to go into a super high competition
0: market that requires a lot of actual knowledge uh, (laughs) because I don't have any to make a lot of money. Uh, yeah yeah i think i think it's just because nobody wants to unclog toilets they just want to set up their computer and you know look cool
1: yeah but you end up glorifying the other side anyway at some point i i get it i understand because you know i think you've said this too um it's nice to do blue collar things for fun right yeah Mm -hmm. uh just because it's like okay cool i did this and i get done with it and then i see everything right there in front of my eyes that i was able to accomplish here about fixing something or making something dude lauren likes it when i put on my blue collar my blue collar clothes
0: i put on my like <laughs> my, my faded jeans and my like my ratty t-shirt and my like um my zip up like dark hoodie mm. Dude, get like, i'm here to do man stuff
1: yeah she's like uh she's like wow i like blue collar jake <laughs> <laughs> But I just did it again. Women can be blue collar too. I am being inclusive now. I am being conscious of myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. I, I, my point was that it's a it's a different thing when you get to do it for fun as opposed to do it uh, or being ha- forced to do it or have to do it. I, but it happens both ways too. I've I've known blue collar people who tried to switch over and then sit at a desk, and they're like, "Man, this is boring. You have to do it. like I just you have to sit the whole time. Like you can't even." You have to. You can't even get up when they're like, "Ah, you got standing desk now." It's like, no, that doesn't count. That's not the same. Well, I mean, you're not walking you, around. When you first got into marketing,
0: you said that you wanted to live the lifestyle of your sister's husband or boyfriend or whatever, it's yeah, because It because you you, you 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 in your own mind glorified that lifestyle. You're like, that's cool. I want to do that. But like, you never thought to yourself because in the money thing didn't come first. Like it was the it was the lifestyle that came first. Yeah, definitely. So like. Which is funny because like when you do something blue collar like plumbing or HVAC, the money comes first and then like the lifestyle comes second. And like marketing, when that's – when the idea, the concept is sold to people, to imp- impressionable young lads on YouTube, <laughs> it, the lifestyle is sold first and the money Always. comes way, way later. Yeah. And – and I, I think that's, yeah, that's the main difference.
1: Uh, dude, I hope we stayed on topic for this. I hope, I hope I re-listen to this. I'm like, yeah, that was a good episode because I, I tried really like... hard to bring us back to when dude. I, when you were talking and stuff. Not, I say that like as if you weren't, <laughs> like as if you were the one going all over the place, which I don't. What is? It's not even true. But I just kept thinking about, I know how we we do that. We veer off. I'm like, okay, read the things. Let's make sure we try to stay close, but also we, we, need, whatever. A, we need to hire somebody to be like,
0: this is um this is how you stay on time (laughs) oh i was talking to rich our video uh producer and he's like he's like you gotta have like um, a producer who like literally has a button that like flashes that says like hey back on topic or something like that and i noticed like in zencaster there's like a little message thing here that we never use but i was like what if we had a third person here that just like popped in there and was like hey get back on track
1: yeah very cool maybe uh maybe the podcast is making money yeah. So maybe maybe lots of maybes in the future when we got to yeah, we're establishing lots of things. I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts happening.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, we're going to end that there. Um thanks for tuning in. We'll uh we'll catch you in the next one. See ya.